Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we are in this series we're calling Soul Keeping. It's based on John Ortberg's book. Um, and, and it's really about caring for the deepest part of who you are. And, and for the last um, four weeks, five weeks now, this is the fifth week leading up to Easter, um, we've been concentrating on caring for the soul, the deepest part of who you are. Um, and, and some of the things that we've been talking about is these, this idea that your soul was designed to be with God. Um, that, that is the connection. That is, that's that, that, that connecting point. And in that, what your soul does is it aligns all the other parts of who you are, your will, your mind, your body. Um, and when the soul is, is, is functioning and healthy and, and working as it should in this connection with God, then all of those other things line up. And my life becomes integral and, and, and consistent. And that's why caring for your soul is so, so very, very important. And last week we talked about this idea that if, you're, if your soul is designed for connection with God, then the only way it can make that connection is through the grace of God. And that's where the soul thrives, in this cycle of grace that we talked about, that God accepts us just the way that we are, in his mercy and in his grace. And that grace sustains us throughout our life and gives us that sense of significance and is out of that that we then respond with, with um, works of grace and, and works of good because of what God has already done, not in earning God's favor, but in response to his favor and his love. So we talked last week about the cycle of grace. Today we're going to talk about the, actually the other side of the coin uh, of grace, which is gratitude. Because when I understand that my life was designed by God, that my soul was made for connection with God, and my life comes from him as a gift freely, the only natural response to that is gratitude. And gratitude is absolutely essential to the health and the thriving of your soul, just as much as grace is. And so today we're going to be talking about gratitude. Um, and, and you see this particularly through the book of Psalms. Um, David understood this, and so many of his psalms um, are, are speaking of the goodness of God and the grace of God and, and the mercy and the love and the, uh, the steadfast love of the Lord. All of these things, they are responses to the grace of God. And, and I love um, one of the early church fathers, Athanasius, said, all of scripture speaks to us, but the psalms speak for us. And it's true. It's true, as you read through the Psalms, they are expressions of, of, of love and gratitude, uh, and sometimes anger, and sometimes um, fear, but they're, they're the things that express the deepest part of who we are to God. And so we're, today, we're going to be looking at one of these. Um, it's Psalm 103, if you want to turn there. And uh, this is what David wrote. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. 
For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. And as a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. Skip down to verse 17. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his commandments. As much as your soul needs grace to thrive, it needs gratitude. And and again, think about this. It is deeply ingrained within us. Even people who don't believe in God celebrate Thanksgiving. You ever thought about that one? Who do you thank if you don't believe in God? But, but there's this deep inner sense that, that somehow I need to be grateful for this. That whatever I have and whatever my life is, I, I need deep within me to express gratitude somehow in some way. Because our soul thrives not only in grace but in gratitude. And, and when we live with that sense or that attitude of gratitude, what happens is there are incredible benefits to the health of our soul. And that's what I want to talk about today a little bit about the benefits of that soul living in gratitude. And one of them is this. That living with gratitude is what gives your soul real freedom. See, there's a deep sense of soul freedom that comes when I recognize all that God has done for me. That my life is in his hands and I need to stop and acknowledge that. And that's why David, in, 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 the, in the psalm, he, he doesn't just say, thank you, God. He instructs his soul from the depth of my being. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. See, soul gratitude is, is, is gratitude for the deeper things of life. Let me ask you this question. When you give thanks, when you are grateful, what are the things that you are grateful for? Is it those deeper things? Or is it just all those material possessions or the nice house that you have or the nice family? No, it's the deeper things. Who forgives, who heals, who redeems. That is soul gratitude. In gratitude, what I do is I recount the ways that God has cared for me in my life. And we need to do that. We need to do that. In fact, here's something you might try. Do that out loud. Okay, just sometime this week. In fact, actually, you might want to do it like in the car when nobody else is around. And everybody who sees you, they'll just think you're singing to the music on your radio. Okay? But just out loud say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, who forgives, who heals, who has redeemed my life. See, there's something about giving vocalization to that gratitude that, that enlivens the soul. It, 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 it grows and, and makes healthy the soul. Because what I'm doing is I'm reminding myself, once again, of God's goodness and his faithfulness and understanding once more what his real heart towards me is. Because sometimes I forget that. I need to remind myself that God is good and he has been good 
to me. And, and by the way, if you have any doubt about that, just look at the cross. Because there's where he expressed ultimately his desire for you, his love for you, his mercy and his grace for you. And if you have any doubt in your mind as to how God feels toward you, or what his attitude is toward you, or what his desires are for your life, just look at the cross. And what that does is that brings a new freedom because when I understand that my life is in God's hands and his heart towards me is good and his desire for me is good, then, then, then whatever he wants from me and whatever he commands for me and whatever he, principles he gives for me for my life, it is only because he truly loves me. You see, without gratitude, God's commandments become burdensome. They just become a list of do's and don'ts, something that I just have to do. But if I understand God's goodness to me, if I'm truly grateful and understanding that he truly wants the best for me, then I begin to understand that his law and his commandments and his principles are all for my good. Without gratitude, I don't get that perspective. And what happens is then his law, his principles, his instructions for my life actually become liberating think about this the law was given to the nation of israel in their freedom for generation after generation all they had known was slavery all they had known was you do what your master tells you to do and if you don't you get beat by it okay now god has freed them from that bondage in egypt and the first thing he gives them is this, 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 sit, this, this law, but, but it's not really the law. It's really just a description of what life looks like under the rule of God. And when you think of it in those terms, it's much less burdensome and much more freeing that I can confidently trust my life into his hands. Psalm 103.7, he made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the people of Israel, that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That is liberating. That is freeing. Now again, if we don't come with a sense of gratitude, if we don't understand God's heart towards us, then it just feels like a list of rules and regulations and it seems to put us in bondage. John Ortberg writes about this in his book. And he makes this distinction between freedom from and freedom for. That, that we want is freedom from. We want freedom from regulations. We want freedom from outside constraints. But what we find is that freedom from actually leads to a sense of bondage. And what God created us is for freedom for living the way that he designed for us to live. He writes about it this way. Freedom from external restraint appeals to us all. But I do not believe that that's the freedom that the soul needs. For example, you generally can drink as much alcohol as you want, restricted only by laws prohibiting drinking and driving and public drunkenness. But if you want to get loaded every night in the privacy of your home, you're free to do it. Eventually, however, your drinking will begin to cause problems for you. It damages your health. It embarrasses your kids. It hurts your marriage. It threatens your job. You get to the point where you want to quit But now you can't. You discover that you are not free to enjoy sobriety. You're free to drink as much as you want, but you are not free to not drink. 
Your freedom is not restricted simply by external constraints. There's another odd uh, kind of restriction. You're, the freedom gets limited by the internal reality that there is kind of brokenness or weakness that, and dividedness inside of you. You want to stop drinking, but you can't. You want to live with a happy, cheerful, optimistic attitude, but you don't. You want to quit yelling at your kids, but you fail. You want to be the kind of person who manages anger really, really well, but you aren't. You'd like to think that you've become unselfish, but you haven't. You are not free. The freedom you lack is an internal freedom. And this inner lack of freedom is much more dehumanizing, much more tragic than external constraints. And the only way for the soul to be free is for all the parts of our personhood to be t- rightly ordered. If you want to free your soul, you acknowledge that there is a spiritual order that God designed for you. You are not the center of the universe. You are not the master of your fate. You are not the captain of your ship. There is a God, and you aren't him. See, we talked about this in week one. Kind of gave you this diagram for it. That my will or my heart and my mind and body are all in competition with each other all the time. Where I might want to do something, but my body does something different. And I would like to to change the way that I think, but I find that my decision-making is not all that strong. And it's the soul that unites and aligns all of these things. And that's true freedom. Paul wrote about this to the Galatian church. He said, God called you to be free, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases your sinful self. Understand the difference between freedom from and freedom for. Gratitude is the key. Gratitude is the key that helps me understand that God's ways and his principles and his instructions, his commands for my life are only for my good. Second thing that gratitude does is it brings true soul satisfaction. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. David continues, and he continues to remind his soul about this. He says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In gratitude, in gratitude, I focus on what I do have, not on what I don't have. See, and that's a huge, huge difference. Here's another question for you. What if, what if the only things you got tomorrow were the things you were grateful for today? If the only things that you had tomorrow were the things that you were grateful for today, how would that change that sense of gratitude, that sense of satisfaction? John Ortberg actually suggests you do this experiment. Tomorrow, when you get up, every time you meet somebody, every interaction that you have somebody, begin with a complaint. Yeah, just, just, you know, hey, how you doing? Oh, I got a horrible night's sleep, you know? I didn't sleep a week. I was up and down all night, you know? Or, or maybe, maybe you can make some kind of political comment, because that's probably going to be negative. But just go through the day simply in every conversation. Initiate the conversation with a complaint. Just all day long. Just try this. See what other people think of you at the end of that day. 
See what you think about yourself at the end of that day. Then day two, on Tuesday, begin each day with something you're grateful for. When you have that conversation with somebody, man, this is a good day to be alive. Today is a good day to be alive. It's opening day for the baseball season. This is a good day to be thankful for, to rejoice. (laughs) Find something. And, And here's the thing. Here's nothing else you might ask, and see, and see how you feel at the end of that day. And then ask yourself this question. Which day was easier for you to naturally do? The complaint or the gratitude? See, that deep soul satisfaction understands God is in control of my life, and whatever he brings my way is for my good. And I may not understand it in the middle of all of it, but God is good. And he cares for me, and his heart toward me is good. See, our endless craving is really our soul's cry for fulfillment. And we keep trying to fulfill our lives with stuff that cannot possibly fulfill it. It's why we're never satisfied. But when I become more aware of God's presence in my life, and God's provision for my life, In that sense of gratitude, I find a deeper sense of satisfaction at all, no matter what's going on. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? You can pursue all these other things for your satisfaction, and in the middle of all of that, lose what truly matters, your soul. In fact, we're going to be talking about this. The next series we're going to do after Easter is what makes you happy. What is it that makes you happy? You will, there's a lot of research that's been done on this lately, and you'll be, you'll be probably interested to find out it's not the things that you think it is. That deep sense of satisfaction only comes from things that are bigger than ourselves. And in any circumstance, I can still find gratitude and satisfaction. Paul wrote about this to the Thessalonian church. He put it this way. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, notice he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Because you may not be particularly thankful for the circumstances. But in the middle of the circumstances, you can still give thanks. Because God's in control. And he has never failed me yet. As we just sang. Gratitude does that. And a third thing that happens is when I live with that sense of gratitude, it gives me the freedom to bless other people. Dallas Willard put it this way, our souls were made to be a blessing and cannot survive without blessing. Now, blessing is one of those words, you know, bless this food or, you know, bless her heart or, you know, we use that word. What it literally means is to project good or to say good things about someone or something to will or want the best for someone else. Now, see, if I live with ingratitude, then then everything about my life I have to fight for. If I don't recognize that God is my provider, that God is my sustainer, that God is the one who has this heart of good toward me, then I feel like I have to fight for myself. I have to make sure I get mine. I have to make sure that I get taken care of, that I have to look out for number one. And what happens is, 
It changes my whole attitude towards other people. I find myself constantly comparing myself with other people, competing against other people. And that's why David did this. He says, says, my blessing, this whole idea of blessing, it starts with blessing God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That's where it starts. And when I bless the Lord with all my soul, with all that is within me, when I do not forget all of his benefits, and I recognize and realize that he really is in control of my life, that he really does have my best interest at heart, I can let go of having to be in control of everything. I can let go of this need to watch out for number one. That God is my provider, so I don't have to compete with somebody else. God is my provider, and I don't have to compare myself with anybody else. And, And it doesn't hurt me to want the best for somebody else. That doesn't damage me or hurt me in one little respect. And I'm able to look at people differently. See, with ingratitude, I am consumed with my own self-interest. With gratitude, I can truly bless and want the best for someone else. When we were kids growing up, one of the rules in our house was if, if like, we would have to share something, like, like maybe um, there was one brownie left and I had to share it with my sister. My parents had this rule. Whoever cut the brownie the other person got first choice. Very wise parents. Because if you were the cutter, Ben, you, you made sure that that was as even as you possibly could. Because you didn't ever want their, your sister or your brother to get the bigger piece, right? And that, that has carried with me to this day. Um, very often, Betty and I will share a dessert or something. And, um, and one, of, one of our favorite desserts, Trader Joe's frozen lava cakes. Anybody had those? Oh, they're good. They're good. And with ice cream, they are like, man, you put it in the microwave, and then you cut them in half, and that chocolate all oozes out. And, and, and every time when we have this chocolate lava cake, and, and, and what I am so grateful for is that God gave me a wife who always wants the smaller portion. <laughs> Something to be grateful for. <laughs> Except when it comes to In-N-Out French fries. For some reason... Everything changes there. She says, oh, we'll just get one order. We can split the order of french fries. No, no, I am on to that trick. (laughs) But you see, there's there's this thing within us that we feel like if we give somebody else the bigger half, that somehow we got shortchanged. That somehow if we bless somebody else's life in some way, that somehow that makes us lesser of a person. And it doesn't. It makes us better a person. I was thinking about this this week. Um, Pastor Jesse talked about we were at this Catalyst conference, and of course, you go to these conferences, and there's booths set up, and there's free stuff given away all the time, and, and one of the vendors there were the people who, who do print the t-shirts for the, the conference, and uh, they sell the t-shirts there. This year in their booth, they had you could silk screen your own t-shirt, and it was like, oh, that is so cool. I get to pull the, you know, the, the squeegee thing and the ink on the t- and do it all myself, pick my own, t- and, and everything like that. And it was so cool. And there was, there was a line like out the door. And I saw it actually just as we were coming out. So I got in the line really quick. And as I'm standing in line, there's probably about 10, 12 people in front of me. But the line was kind of, you know, kind of squeezing together. And out of the corner of my eye, on the right-hand side, this guy kind of just kind of, just kind of, 
kind of weasels in. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking about this week's sermon. And I see him, and he's not like weaseling in behind me. He's weaseling in front of me. And everything within me wants to say, hey, buddy, the lion in back there. But I didn't, because I was thinking about this sermon. So in that moment, oh, don't, pl- don't applaud. Because in that moment, I said, Lord, I will bless this man. I will not say a word. I will let him come in front of me. And then my next prayer was, Lord, help me to do this with grace. Because I really want to tell him, go to the end of the line. There is something about living with that sense of gratitude in which our soul really thrives. It is liberating. It gives us freedom to obey even when we don't understand. It gives us a deeper sense of of satisfaction because we understand God truly is good and he has so blessed my life and allows me to bless others, to project good on them, to speak good over them. When God gave the law to the people of Israel, he also gave them a blessing. It's found in Numbers chapter 6. It was, the, it was the blessing that God gave for Aaron to pronounce over the people. This is the, this is the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. That means may God project his good toward you and care for you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you to look at you with great joy and be gracious to you to continue to flood your life with his goodness. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. That's the idea of being fully present. To lift up my countenance is to look someone in the eye and say, I am looking at you and give you peace, contentment, shalom, wholeness, rest. See, that is God's heart toward you. And you have the ability to speak that into somebody else's life. I have the ability to speak that into somebody else's life, to be fully present with them and in some way Bless them. So here's another homework assignment you might think about this week. Think about someone who has touched your life, who has blessed your life. Someone who was instrumental in bringing you this message of God's grace. Somebody who has in some way brought good to your life. And this week, just write them a brief note in a card and just say, you know, you have so blessed my life in this way. I am praying God's blessing on your life today. You might even do it in person and speak those words of blessing to them. Just bow your heads with me. So again, this week, as we've done each week, let me ask you, how's your soul? How's your soul? Do you find yourself striving against God's ways? You know 
what you should be doing or how you should be living or what you should be doing in this moment, but you're resisting it because it feels like somehow you're going to lose out because of it. And you're unwilling or maybe unable to just simply trust and obey. Is it filled with striving for those endless, unsatisfying pursuits? Or an anxiety that you might have about an uncertain future? And you need to just simply rest gratefully in God's hands? Or maybe, maybe you're so caught up looking out for number one that you cannot honestly and genuinely bless someone else. Today, I just want to invite you to reorient your thinking. And with that, that sense and attitude of gratitude, let that fill your soul, that God is good and his heart toward you is good and he wants the best for you and whatever his commands are only because of what he wants for your life. And if you're here and you find yourself in any one of those things that, you, that you're, you're chafing under what you know God wants you to do or you're living with anxiety over your circumstances right now or striving for something else or, or you're just so consumed with watching out for number one that you cannot truly, genuinely want the best for somebody else. You can change that and you don't have to do it on your own. Jesus is here with you to help you and you're going to need his help. And if I could pray for you in any of those kinds of circumstances like we do each week, just let me know. Raise a hand. Hold it up for a moment and and I'll be praying with you and for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, this all starts with being in that relationship, that connection with God, that his grace has come to us, that Christ took on himself all that needs to be done so that we could find that forgiveness and that acceptance and that sustaining grace of God that changes our lives. And if you've never taken a first step of faith today, you can do that. And it just simply starts with this acknowledgement, God, I need you. And I can't change myself. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your grace. Today, let your grace flood over my soul. I'm putting my life in your hands. Show me how to follow you. And if that's where you're at today, same thing. Would you just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, look up, catch my eye, so I can also pray with you today. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. So, join me in this prayer. Lord, here I am. You know me better than I know myself. You know all that inner turmoil. You know all that striving and struggling. You know that, that, that resistance to obedience. You know that anxiety. You know, you know everything about me, Lord. And I can't hide it. And I'm pretty good at hiding it from myself. But today I come clean. And for some of us, this is a first-time decision. For others, it's a particular area in our life reaffirming the decision we made years ago. But, but today, Lord, we all simply acknowledge these are the things that go on inside that nobody else sees but you. And we can't change it on our own. By your mercy and your grace, would you bring forgiveness? Would you bring restoration? 
Would you bring wholeness to our souls and teach us, Lord, how to live with a grateful heart toward you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.